0: Hello, I'm sorry, this is gonna sound weird, but please give me a chance. When you were 18, did you have a childhood friend named Carly that you lost contact with after you left to go to college? Um, Hi, who the fuck is this, Carly? This is an extremely creepy way to get back in touch if so. No, that this isn't Carly. One of the last times you two hung out, she told you that she missed when your parents let you sleep over? She put eyeliner on you because she had been talking about how all guys look good in eyeliner. You said you didn't know how to do it. Okay, yeah, I get it. You know a creepy amount about me. You've got me freaked out. Congrats. Now, who are you and what the fuck do you want? Lightning recap. In Unknown Number by Blue Noise Difter, a physicist reaches out from an alternate universe to contact a version of themselves who took a different path
1: you've got a little time
0: we've got a little podcast
1: this is short story short podcast i'm christopher j garcia here today upon the world of today tomorrow and forever with
0: christy l baxter
1: and you know, Chrissy, it's that time of year again where the flowers are blooming, the thunder is snowing. <laughs> the Irish are suddenly recovering from the month of March. What is the perfect story to read for this time of year?
0: The perfect story for this time of year when the pollen is fleming you and the snow is thundering, is Unknown Number by Blue Noise Stifter, which I see is probably our first uh, Hugo-nominated short story of the year.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Although we do have a Hugo-nominated fanzine editor whose voice is occasionally heard on this project.
0: Occasionally, yes. Yes, we do. Yes.
1: You are that correct. is correct. And <laughs> I think... This is a story that so many of our other stories have hinted at doing this. This story is all about form and the expectation of form.
0: Agreed. Yeah, it it definitely takes that modern text thread sort of idea of and and makes it into, you know, it's it's an epistolary, but modern.
1: Yes. And I think that that is an interesting thing because when you are reading the epistolary form, you kind of have to break the reality of the form. If you read Dracula, for example, uh, there is all sorts of telling of things that you would never actually say in a letter. It is not almost always it is structured with a narrative concept behind it here this is straight up dialogue between two people ish
0: (laughs) ish yes ish and the thing about that is i feel like this evolution of communication and how it's evolved the epistolary form because yeah it used to be that sort of you know kind of clunky with exposition a little bit by necessity no shade to dracula well, I mean, he would probably want to be in the shade, but that's a whole different thing. So, but, and now our communication is so much faster. So an epistolary story previously would be these long letters back and forth. And now it's just short, quick exchanges back and forth and it's almost instantaneous. And so I think it's really interesting. I, I think what Noistifter does here really shows us uh, how communication itself and the changes in communication can change storytelling.
1: Mm-hmm. and it's a a story that is structured in a way that is a very traditional both horror and science fiction have to do this where you are trying to convince the viewer who is standing in for the reader that their reality is shared and it is not the same as the reality that they experience on an everyday. And it is that delving into a world, in this case, where interdimensional communication is possible, that it becomes this sort of acceptance. You have to present a world that is different than our world. Although, strangely, the reality that is everyday experienced on both sides is the same. It's only when they come into contact that it becomes extraordinary.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, in no way did we plan this to be the week that scientists were like, yeah, so there might be an alternate universe where time moves backwards and that explains dark matter. (laughs) Which definitely messed with my head as I was reading this. I was like, okay, I can't, that's too much in my head, too much physics. And I never took physics and I don't understand it. (laughs) It's a lot, but yeah, it it does require this acceptance that sort of the brain, I think, shies away from. And so it is is harder to get that buy-in from the reader when you're talking about something so it almost has this uncanny valley feeling to it in a way because this idea of another you out there somewhere, it has a strange sort of just a tiny bit of comfort, but also a lot of kind of revulsion in a way, at least for me, I don't know, maybe I'm a weirdo, but you know, when I found out I had a murder victim doppelganger it freaked me the hell out. So I don't like it when people have my face.
1: I actually do just cause I like to get lost in my eyes.
0: Um, but I think, <laughs> One of the
1: fascinating things here is that the ability for this story to happen requires the turning of a path. So again, what the reference to sliding doors and uh, sliders is very clear. Uh, Turning away from getting a PhD in physics is what our, I guess we could say our world uh, character was you know based in their their world they turned away from physics the world in which and thus created a new whole fork a branch uh he said with finger quotes uh of reality that didn't allow them to go through and ask the questions because this is what's happening we're we're seeing that one of the characters the one in what we supposed to think of as our world i guess is has transitioned the one who went forward and got the phd and did all the super sciencey stuff didn't and there's a lot of questioning there back and forth and i think that's key
0: absolutely it's key because the the main difference between the two of them is one asked the questions already and one has you know the, the alternate universe version has been really sort of unable to I think sort of verbalize them and a question is you know well a question I have would be is it because the alternate universe version of our protagonist here followed that path in in physics so got distracted by other questions or is there some other reason that they weren't able to ask the questions that would lead them to transition like Gabby the the our world version of the character did. This is difficult to talk about and make sense. So I hope everybody's read the story because otherwise you're not going to get anything out of it.
1: Oh, I think they'll get as much out of it as I do. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Self-burn. I think one of the aspects of that is, is this sort of, I don't want to say false dichotomy, but this definite existing dichotomy between if you follow your mental, your academic dream. You're often unable to to follow your personal dream. And it's this sort of idea that you have to be one or the other. You can't really live in both worlds. And that's always troubling to sort of see that put out there until you sort of stop to realize, well, huh. If I think of every academic I know, Yeah, they almost all did that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wait a second. This is, in fact, reality.
1: (laughs) I'm glad I'm not an academic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's this immersion in your area of study that happens that I think is really unique to academia. And I can understand why that would keep you from developing personally and from taking care of your own emotional needs and figuring out who you are and who you're supposed to be. because. It really is something that, you know, you're, you, it's, a, it's a true passion. I mean, they, they don't pay people in academia a lot. So it, you're not in it for the money, I promise.
1: <laughs> I think what's also great, again, is the signposts of the form that they are referencing. And here, of course, it's things like, Jesus, that's a lot of messages. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a lot of okays like the sim- like right every now and then you have these sort of push ins and i think what we're seeing is that this is the breakthrough portion of a story and if you're telling the story in a novel this happens right before the action starts this is the convincing of the protagonist that they need to go protag. And <laughs> I think that aspect of it is one of the fascinating things because this could just be the start of the story. Yeah. But it is the whole encapsulation of a story. And in many ways, I think this is less a short story than it is a graphic work. It's a comic.
0: Hmm. It's an interesting... I I could maybe go with that, but I'm not sure. I, I feel like that's an aspect of it, but I, I wouldn't say entirely that entirely encapsulates it because the one thing is we don't get any actual images of people. The only like contact we have is you for unknown number. And that's the only, you know, we, we won't get any images of people. And I feel like that's kind of it's kind of necessary for any sort of sort of graphic work
1: unless you're an abstractionist
0: ah well the abstractionists just have to come in and fuck everything up don't they
1: <laughs> ah, you make it sound like art history of the past 150 years
0: <laughs> <laughs> so weird that i do that
1: <laughs> yeah there is a beautiful message here that I, I absolutely adore, and I understand 100% why it's on the Hugo shortlist because it, it deals with not only issues of identity, it mixes them in with an incredibly traditional uh, story of first contact, ideas of the multiple realms, and this idea, I think, of each one of us holds multitudes. And that's very much represented here. And I also kind of think that there's a an idea that even our most different selves still have this connection of sameness to them. That in essence, when you change your path, you are not necessarily changing who you are. You're merely changing the direction you're going.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and there is a sort of comfort in that, in that one thing remains the same, even while other things change. And that's something that this story uh, offers us, even as we get more potential for change at the end.
1: Correct. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad to see this. I'm glad I read this one. I actually read it before it was announced as a nominee, but... I hadn't heard anything about it. And I literally thought it was a regular series of tweets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, so you thought that you didn't think of it as a story. You, you, you bought in completely and thought that an alternate universe version of somebody had contacted them. It took me a minute. <laughs> I have this, this bridge in Brooklyn that you might be interested in purchasing. Is it the tribero? Because I could totally go for the tribero. <laughs> Any bridge you want, buddy. I got them all. <laughs> I am the bridge queen.
1: Have we decided what story we're reading
0: next week? No, we haven't, because nine times out of 10, we forget to do that. So we're going to take a quick break and go running around the internet looking at stories and picking one out. And then we'll come back and we'll tell you what we picked out. <laughs>
1: Hey, Christy. Yes? If we took the time out to read a short story and then decide which short story we were going to read, which short story
0: would we have agreed on reading? We would have agreed on reading Spider the Artist by Nettie Akorapore. Yay!
1: Which is exceptional because Nettie's a good people.
0: I'm excited to read this.
1: Yes, and well, you should be. Because this has been short story
0: a short podcast